1: Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, only one time this week. How are we doing?
2: Unbelievable. It's amazing how much more energy I have, Metcalf. But, you know, we're coming from you, uh, the No Ceilings Podcast feed. But we we had to bring it a guest on. Um, someone that's really close to us, you know, close to our heart. It only felt right that we, we brought him on. So, Corey Tolva, how the heck are we?
0: Oh, the... The audience hear my voice two days in a row lucky them um i'm uh i'm terrific i had my first um like glass of water in like three days since i oh, have been exciting. to the pro day because i was just living off of coffee uh instead so my body is has thanked me today for you know Jealous. changing that up a little bit because it's just just been thriving and surviving on on coffee um since I had to uh, fly Frontier and my flight got delayed about 45 different times. So um,
2: Shout out I'm happy Frontier. to be back and I'm
0: happy to be on the No Ceilings feed.
2: Cool. Wait, I also heard um, before we get into this madness, I also heard a rumor on the streets that you had Chick-fil-A breakfast for the first time. Can you, the, the people want to know, is that a true statement or is that fake it, news?
0: No, it is a true statement. Um, wow. I, I get Chick-fil-A for lunch uh, probably like three times a week. I am a an avid Chick Fil A um, enthusiast, but I f- well one after the pandemic, uh, my local Chick Fil A stopped serving breakfast, okay. so they would only open for lunch. Okay. Over the last few months, they have started opening up a little bit earlier, and they are serving breakfast. But I guess I just can't shake the you know spicy chicken sandwich uh, deluxe, you know, I need that pepper jack cheese. And, um, so for the first time I had a Chick-fil-A breakfast sandwich, uh, just a you know, chicken sandwich on a biscuit. It was phenomenal, which, you know, I would expect nothing less from, you know, Chick-fil-A cause it's, you know, it's as far as, uh, food goes, they're terrific. Don't, don't love some of the other stuff with them, but you know, <laughs> they're just, you know, very nice people who work at the establishment and they, they cook really good chicken sandwiches.
2: If you, if you had to have the breakfast on a big board, where, where is he going in the lottery or is it late first round sleeper
0: big board? As far as like fast food breakfast, just
2: just throw me a number, whatever's hitting in your head right now, whatever feels right. Something that's going to make you sleep good at night.
0: I mean, it's probably, it's gotta be a top seven pick as far as fast food goes. Um,
2: I would put it right up there as far as breakfast stuff goes with like Burger King's French toast sticks. Wow. Okay. Now we're getting weird. We're getting real crazy. Metcalf take over before we get
1: out of control. (laughs) Well, well, someone else who is, uh, you know, probably at least going to be a top seven pick is Amen Thompson who up close and personal. What a Uh, transition. This guy's electric. (laughs) Well, and and Corey just got to see him up close at uh, overtime elites pro day uh, earlier this week down in Atlanta. Who, Corey was in the building, that's why he's here. So, Corey, we're going to dive into what we thought. Or, Rucker and I were able to watch on YouTube, um, which was an experience. Um, but you were there, so f- before we get into kind of breaking down the the minutia of all these of all these prospects what was your kind of big, big picture takeaway and impression of the overtime elite experience?
0: I, um, I'm all in on it. I think it's just a phenomenal program. And uh, if I'm going to be honest, I I think that I was a little skeptical of the longevity of it up until the NIL stuff changed. I think that changed the game for the overtime elite. Um, where now they are getting these legitimately great young top of the class high school prospects in their gym, really, really young, letting them keep their college eligibility, which I think with these NIL rules is something that's important for these kids. Um, And they're getting them with amazing coaching in an amazing facility. I mean, you know, when you walk in, you uh you see their their main court that they play on i i mean it's it's looks like a you know almost like a movie set how it's it's a project, uh, production studio and a basketball court like it's just per, it's a beautiful design um beautiful layout it's small and intimate but it makes it feel large um and then when you go downstairs they have tremendous practice facilities you know they uh have chefs for these kids, they have, you know, uh, a gym for them to actually work out, you know, they have everything that you need. And, you know, some of the kids um, live near the facility in like apartments, and then some of them, you know, you have the option, obviously, of having your family there and living with your family. So they're getting this uh, unbelievable experience that they're learning from, you know, and playing against really talented people, from a really young age every day and it's a family and it's competitive. And again, they're getting great coaching uh, and the league is expanding. You know, it, last year it was the same three teams and they're playing against each other. They played a couple of exhibitions, right? But it was just the same three teams playing each other. And it, it's hard from an evaluation standpoint for guys like us, that's hard to evaluate. The league has now expanded to six teams and they're playing way more um competition way more exhibitions they went overseas right to you know play mega and, and some of these other you know international teams they played against you know brawny and Camboozer and other elite you know young prospects so i think the direction and the trajectory you know I, I think uh they're gonna they want to continue expanding adding more teams to the league and you know i think like last year the games were broadcast on YouTube, right? They were just put on YouTube. They weren't Mm -hmm. they weren't broadcast. They were on YouTube like 24 to 48 hours later. And, you know, from everything I gathered, it seemed like what I was like, well, where are you going to do like live games eventually? And they're like, that's the idea. And I was like, well, where are the live games going to be? Like are you doing Twitch, YouTube, whatever? And they're like, for now, I'm going to tell you YouTube, that's all I'm going to say. And I'm like, all right, so you guys are trying to get a you're in the works for some kind of meteorites deal. So I think the exposure that these kids are going to start getting outside of just being like social media stars, because obviously you can't beat their social media team, right? That like, that is a powerhouse. These kids are building a following at such a young age. So you add to the fact that they're going to be, I think, I don't know where they're going to be getting their games broadcast, but it's going to be on a larger platform than just throwing it on YouTube and, you know, not even necessarily always having the full clips. So, the growth that I think I've seen from year one to now, similar maybe to No Ceilings, uh, has been a tremendously positive uh, thing. And I like I, I was very impressed by the entire uh, the entire day that I was there and the facilities and the players and and everything they have planned. I think it's uh, an unbelievable thing. You know, like I it's a league for sure. That's, that's what they want to be known as they want to be known as a league, but it almost feels like there are similarities to some of these, um, like clubs overseas that are like academies for young kids that are building, you know, kids to be professionals. Right. And that's what it feels like when you're there, except they're playing in a, you know, uh, a league that is going to continue to build out. So I tremendously impressed by it.
1: So kind of going forward, obviously, this is only their second year. So you know, they can still be pretty flexible in what direction they want to go down long term strategy wise. But the NIL rule changes with college basketball really did change things. And it did seem like this year, they kind of pivoted more towards getting a lot of these really talented 15, 16, 17 year old kids who aren't going straight into the NBA after one season. So just a hunch. Do you see them kind of pivoting more or continuing towards this college alternative where they can pay players and they're acting more as a minor league system for the NBA? Or do you think that they may even just pivot more towards becoming one of the elite kind of prep organizations that is rivaling uh, Montverde or IMG. And they're building up these high school players to get them ready for whether they end up going to college or pros or overseas or whatever.
0: I think that's, they're already kind of trending there. Like they have classes that they, like the kids that are there, they have core classes that that they have to take, you know, to like graduate school. But then like, as far as like electives would go, they have like this program set up to where they can kind of prepare them for all these different opportunities that they would have, you know, at the next level, be it G league International NBA, whatever it is. So, I they're already setting that kind of stuff up because, yeah, you know, you have to realize like some of these kids that I saw, they're not draft eligible until 2026. Yeah. You know, if they're going to be there the whole time, right, they're going to be learning and soaking in so much information. And by the time they get out, they should be fully prepared for whatever that next step is. So, I think they're already doing that. If there are, you know, more Thompson twins out there, I don't think they are going to be like, no, you can't play here. You know, I think until the NBA gets rid of the one and done rule, I think they're going to still be looking for that talent if it's out there. But I do think that they have made a concerted effort with guys like Bryson Tiller and Nas Cunningham of, you know, really going after these highly recruited prospects and, um, you know, they've nabbed them. So I think you're going to start seeing like a guy like Bryson Tiller who is ranked fifth overall in the top, you know, his class right now, I think when he gets a little bit more exposure and just being through this process, you know, I know somebody there told me like, as soon as Kevin Ollie saw him, he was like, what's he ranked six? Like, nah, that's too low. And like, he's probably right. But it's like when people see it, I think like you're going to start seeing these guys rise up in their rankings in their class. And I think that's going to help them continue to get more prospects like that. And I think they're just going to dominate that space eventually.
1: All right. Well, well, let's kind of transition into takeaways from these players that you were courtside watching. Um, Rucker and I were able to watch on YouTube, but we were only allowed to see what they showed us in that moment. So, you know, our takeaways are probably a lot different. Um, let, let's start off with a Thompson who listeners of the draft deck podcast. know you're a little skeptical or maybe not all the way bought in. Um, so what was your kind of big picture takeaway with him?
0: Um, you know, I think one, just from like a, you know, a work ethic standpoint from a professionalism standpoint uh, you know, he, he was impressive during interviews. Uh, I think he's, you know, a great kid with a, a good head on his shoulders, you know, after, um, the five on five scrimmages, they all the kids came over and shook every person's hand that was there in like the front row. Like he came right up to everybody, shook everyone's Smart. hand. Like they're very respect. Yeah, they're like I said, they're doing a great job of yeah. of doing even the little things like that. And um, so just from that perspective, like he's very locked in as he's working. And um, you know, obviously he's a sick athlete, and you know he stands out athletically even you know, with some of these other kids that are there uh, some of which I'm sure we're going to talk about tonight. So I, I, but you know, it's still hard, you know, it's, it's like on one hand when they played mega, he was excellent, you know? So on the other hand, he's still going to be kind of older for his class playing against, you know, ultimately he's going to be playing against Bryson Tiller, who's class he's, he's draft eligible in 2026. You know, so it's, it's still going to be a hard evaluation for these kids because they're super athletic. They work really hard. They're clearly talented, but they still have holes in their games. And, you know, I, I still saw those holes while they're there, but they're working and they're getting that good coaching that I talked about earlier. So, um, I'm not going to say that like I'm any higher or lower on them after seeing them necessarily, Mm -hmm. because for me, it's just still going to be about like, all right, I, whether you're shooting around or you're doing a drill, like I want to see what you look like in game action. So until we, you know, they get into their game schedule and we could see what he looks like after 25 games, where's the shot then I'm not necessarily concerned fully about it. Now, obviously he's felt a little bit more comfortable. I think this year comparatively to last year with his shot, but there's still moments where he's not comfortable or he's overthinking. Like, you know, I saw, uh, during one of the four V four V fours during the scrimmage, uh, they were icing him and pushing him to the corner. And he ended up shooting the mid range shot was, which was encouraging. Cause I think that was an area of his game that he just was almost unwilling to engage in last year, but you could see the thought process behind it. He didn't, Really like recognize the timing of when he should be shooting it when he had the most space versus when they were going to be able to close out on him. So there's still that kind of stuff that he's working on, but it's clear that they have that plan for him and are telling him to work on these things. So like I was encouraged by the fact that he looks like he was a little bit more willing to experiment because in that episode of the draft act, I said I don't care if he misses a yeah. sh- 3 point shots. I just want him to feel confident shooting them. Yep. You know that that being okay with failure. Is how you get better, not hiding that weakness. And I don't think he's hiding it. I think he's willing to shoot through the, uh, those misses now. So uh, that's that's the impression that I got. It's not that his shot looked better. I still have concerns about his shot. It's not he's not at the point right now where I would feel comfortable with him as you know the third pick in the draft. But the fact that he is willing to miss now is something that I think is growth. So, from that, I guess I would say I'm, I feel more confident in his evaluation from that perspective, but I still want to see how he grows through the year before I, you know, make any kind of definitive um, ranking on where I would have him.
1: Rucker, based on what you saw, was there anything that looked different or got you really excited or even raised new questions with Amon? I had about
2: five questions I wanted to ask Corey, and he pretty much just answered every one of them in that rant, which was just, beautiful so thanks a lot now I have to kind of think on the fly but my watching him in he's the one I'm puzzling about and, and Metcalf I and mean, you have talked about this on the on the pod plenty of times like when I have a player like this I'm not going to put him up there just because of the consensus like I have to go see them in person and that's why I was so excited to get Corey on this episode is because I usually see eye to eye with a lot of you Guys on no ceilings, and I wanted to hear about the man Thompson because he's he's getting a lot of buzz as the potential third overall pick. Um, I think a lot of us at no ceilings have some different opinions about that, but I'm still confused. I, I, I'm still got a lot of questions, and they're probably not going to be answered until I get to see him in game reps, like Corey's saying. I feel like impressing at a pro day that's sometimes predetermined and you know what you're going to be going through is one thing, but seeing it in the game is, is another. Um, Corey, I guess my only question for you is last year, you know, with the overtime elites, their first year, Jean Montero was the big name prospect and, and our common theme with scouting Montero. And I think NBA scouts for this way, it was, what's the competition like? When I watch Thompson, I know they have way better talent this year. There's no denying that. But is this just the best talent that still looks just so like more mature and athletically advanced compared to the competition? Or is this a legit talent? Like, is this a legit NBA guy that's going to transfer and dominate athletically? Because there's no doubt when he gets a, you know, a clear lane, he's freakish in the air. But I keep watching, and I'm like, "Am I? Is this fool's gold, or is this legit?" If that makes sense?
0: Yeah, I, and I think the answer is probably going to be somewhere in the middle uh, as far as this experience, because, like you said, there's no doubt the talent is better this year. You know, right. obviously they have a carryover of a lot of the guys, but they've gotten a lot of talented kids, um, throughout this program that he's going to be going up against. And you know, it's hard because these kids, I think, are all like some of these kids, I think, are going to be the same caliber of prospects they are, but they're behind developmentally, you know, physically as far as their game goes, the talents there, but he's just a little older, a little bit more, you know, uh, developed as, as far as that goes. So it, it is hard. Cause I do think that part of him maybe, you know, looking like a standout in certain situations is going to be that. But like I said, he played really well against mega. He played well in his internet against international competition. That is the the kind of environment where you would want to see him and kind of, you know, evaluate him versus his peers. And he still stood out, you know, he still had those same concerns. The, you know, the, the three point shooting wasn't great, but he got to the line and he knocked down his free throws. So I wish there were more of that kind of context to evaluate against. And, you know, it's unfortunate. I think that, you know, there's not, but he is going to be playing better talent. I think overall than he played last year and um like i said i think the coaches are doing the right things like i really do like in the um the drill portions you know one of the things that they were showing it's like i i know metcalf i think this is one of your concerns as well that that i share like all right once he gives the ball up what is he doing yeah right like because we know he's a great playmaker he is a genuinely right. very good passer and obviously he he showed off a little bit of that uh you know, throughout the pro day, but what is he going to do when he doesn't have the ball in his hands? Because if you're going to be the third pick, you know, maybe you're going to Houston. Are you taking the the ball out of Jalen green's hands? Maybe, but probably not. Jalen green's going to be a third year player at that point. Who's, you know, going to be in the year where most players explode? Are you taking the ball out of Cade's hands? Are you going to take the ball out of Paolo and Franz's hands? Like, no, right? You're not. So what are you going to do without it? And, you know, so they're focusing on things like that in, you know, what they're working on the drills. Like a lot of the drills were, all right, we're going to come off the screen. You're going to make that weak side hit, but now you're going to come and relocate. You're not just going to stand still. You were going to relocate to a spot. And, you know, in the 4v4v4, because I think you said that they, cut the, the scrimmages off right they cut it was just 4v4v4s yeah, like, yeah, yeah it was, it was like halfway awesome. through it was, we love
2: overtime elite but that was great like i love i love a good 4v4v4
0: but it's also not the best um you know thing to show amen and assar's physical talents because there's less up and down because you already have a defense waiting on the other side right um but so i saw in some of the 4v4 which I was excited to watch them in that context because it was like, all right, well, what do you look like in this half court setting? And there were times where it took, um, then a second to realize I just gave the ball up and now I actually have to move and get to a spot. So there was a hesitation, but there was a recognition that that was the next step because you, you know, you could do a drill, but then doing it at game speed during the competition, when you have a million things going on around you, that you have to think about is different. So, but they're working on it and he's cognizant of it. Um, So I I think that's more so than looking at the talent this year. I think it's going to be looking at the nuance that he's working on against that talent is how I would recommend like viewing it from an
2: evaluation standpoint. And, And for everyone listening, it's not like we're, ripping on him and thompson like we're all fans we're just intrigued and i think this is becoming the most fascinating part of the draft cycle it's so early but we almost weirdly feel like we know the first two picks so we're like who's third we have to yeah. like start looking at that through a microscope right now and thompson's getting all the buzz he's a highlight machine but there's a lot of questions still and and don't get me wrong like, there's a world right like there's a world yeah. where
1: he's the oh, third God, yeah. pick because it's hundred percent
0: Cause one of the things, one of the things he showed in the the scrimmage was that like he competes defensively. Yeah. You know, he gets after it. There was a point in the scrimmage where um, he was guarding. I want to say Bryce Warren, who was bringing the ball up for the young dreamers and he was hounding him. Right. And Bryce Warren's a good player. I saw him not only at the pro day, I saw him play in New Jersey a couple of weeks ago and um, he was hounding him and he, Made him pick up his dribble basically at half court, like he was turning him, and he basically, like Bryce War, he swarmed him to the point where Bryce Warren basically like fell on the ground, and then Amen was like talking shit to him while he was on the ground, and like obviously this is probably his boy out of you know that context, Um but it was also like hey like we're playing right now, there are NBA scouts in front of me. And I'm going for your jugular. So like you saw that competitive nature you saw what he could do defensively too. So he is very much still as much as I want to say, you know, I have some, I still have concerns about his offensive game. He still showed a a ton of stuff that you were like, Hey, I get it. If a team is like, I'm betting on him to be the third pick in the draft.
2: Mick Mick McCaff, I'm going to throw you up for a curveball because you know, everyone knows that you love this. Like we Mm -hmm. all know that about you. We all know that about about you. Watching the pro day, Metcalf, we and you have talked about Thompson before. We've talked about him behind the scenes of our thoughts. Did you feel any different watching him? Are you intrigued by – because you've also – we've talked about his defense. And we said yeah. kind of we wanted to see if the motor stayed hot. Because it, when it turned off, it was like there's the questions. But he looked like he had the tools to be nasty. And that's where I think the areas. if that stays consistent, I am I would easily buy in on a man Thompson because the shot will always be something that needs work, but if he unlocks another like potentially elite skill like that. Yeah. Okay. Like I I'll feel better about the, the shot needing to be a loading process. If you want to put it that way.
1: Yeah. And I I've always really liked his on ball defense. Um, you know, we, the competitiveness that Corey just mentioned, we saw that a lot when he would, you know, be the point of attack defender, especially last year when like he would defend his brother and like they would go at it because, you know, they're competitive. They're not going to want the other brother to one up them. Um, so I, I feel like the on ball stuff has always been really consistent and really impressive because of his footwork, his length, his competitiveness. Uh, The off ball stuff still kind of has me worried Um, whenever a shot goes up. I mean, he just watches it and doesn't box out and just uses his pure explosiveness to potentially get a rebound. But I, and he gets back cut a ton, gives up offensive rebounds a lot. Um, Offensively, based on my, you know, vantage point, a lot of it looked the same. So my feelings on this weren't really changed. Um, It's encouraging to hear Corey, who is, you know, right there, say that he was at least processing how he needed to move off ball and relocate after giving the ball up because that stuff's really important and it's something he's going to have to learn. So, Corey, my, my last question on his offense is that off ball relocation, do you think it's something that kind of eventually comes naturally to him, or did it feel like it was the flavor of the week and it was something that his coaches had just been stressing to him. And he was like, all right, I I have a lot of eyes on me. There are a lot of people in the building. I have to show this off. And, you know, maybe two weeks from now we see less of it.
0: No, I think it's real. Okay. I think again. I'm, I really buy into the coaching staff they have there, the player mm-hmm. development team that they have there. Like outside of the fact that the three teams have three great coaches, and you know, I'm sure eventually I'm going to once again, I feel like a Ryan Gomes stan. I'm sure I'm going to be you know singing his praises at some point. But they have three great great coaches, and then you know uh, Kevin Ollie, who is basically like the player development guy for, who runs you know the the whole development for the program um oversees kind of everything and works with all of the teams. So it's basically, I think it's like individual workouts in the morning and coach Ollie is there um working with those guys. And then at night they go in and practice with their teams kind of separately. Uh So I, I, I have full faith that the coaching is going to emphasize the things that it needs to Good. emphasize. They have a film room, like they're, they're, doing their thing from from that aspect they're putting these kids in position to become the best players they can you know it's not amen thompson's fault that you know when he signed on to this thing the nil rule wasn't in place and he wanted to get paid for what he felt like he was worth Mm -hmm. as an amateur athlete like that's awesome and he in a lot of ways was like a trailblazer for that um so yeah, like he's more, ta- he might be more talented than a lot of the competition, but it's not his fault. He's more talented. So, I i do think that I saw the right things from him. And yeah, like, you know, the shot, you want me to nitpick it? Obviously, it's a little palmy. His footwork is a little fidgety and choppy. He, you know, um, still kind of overthinks uh, about shooting instead of just letting it fly. But as we mentioned, he's letting it fly a little bit more often he's okay and learning how to fail in that context. If you can feel comfortable learning how to fail and being okay, missing shots in front of 25 NBA teams and, you know, media and scouts, then you'll probably be okay doing it when you're just playing, you know, a random game with an audience, you know, in front of you. So I, I think that these things that he's learning and that he's trying to emphasize that he showed in the pro day, I do think it's going to stick, but it's a process and it's just going to take a little bit of time for it to become a little bit more natural for him. So mm-hmm. yeah. And look, I, I think one of the other cool things that they did is they didn't have Amen and Asar on the same team when they were running drills. Right. And um, because they wanted Asar to have the ball in his hands and show his capabilities there. So I'm also hoping that, they give other guys on ball reps to allow him to not have always have the ball in his hands in preparation for the fact that, you know, even if he is the third pick again, he's probably not going to be having the ball in his hands too often. So I I think that they also have that idea in mind that, all right, I'm in, he's the guy, he's going to be a high usage guard in this context, but also let's try to get him some, different looks eventually when they go to five on five. So he doesn't have to bring the ball up the court every single time.
1: Well, I, I think that's a good spot to pivot to his brother, Asar, who is the second biggest name, um, you know, in the overtime elite program. Uh, Asar has been battling some kind of nagging injuries recently. Yeah. Um, from all I was able to see, it looked like he participated in some drills, didn't play in the four v v4v4. before. Um, what were your thoughts on him?
0: Um, so he did participate in the, the four V four V fours. He did part. They had like multiple groups for each team. Uh, And then he did participate in the scrimmages. So I, I think that, you know, he was definitely dealing with something because, you know, in this context for somebody who's that athletic, right. You want to show these NBA scouts, how athletic you looked. And you could tell, like when he was going through some of the drills, he was not trying to like jump through the roof. You know, and and so that was, uh, I think, a consequence of him, you know, playing a little bit banged up. You know, he missed the game earlier, um, you know, last week, uh, where you know, with Bronny and um, the Kentucky kid that I'm blanking on his name who went viral. Him. And, yeah, yeah. You know, he like he missed that that stuff. So uh, he was definitely dealing with that stuff. But uh, I will say. I was higher on, I left higher on his jumper than Amends.
2: You're speaking my language. Please, please keep talking. Don't stop. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, look, don't, get me, don't get me wrong. I wasn't like, you know, who's going to be the best shooter in the class. <laughs> Sorry, <Tom. laughs> you know, that's, that's definitely not uh, how I left, but I was like, you know what? Like it looks a little bit more fluid now, like when he's, I th- like there's nitpicky stuff. Like I think his his footwork is probably a little bit less consistent than Amen's is. Um he still is a little palmy as well. But I also thought that um you know when he was like shooting turnaround fadeaways and stuff like that, like it just looked like a fluid like shot that you would see from one of these like early two thousands like athletic scoring guards. Um so I was a little bit encouraged with that. And it's like obviously the more reps you get, the better. Uh, I think that he, he had one move, which I'm going to post to the no ceilings, you know, uh tick and YouTube shorts and stuff where he like went through the lane and hit a Euro step for a finish at the rim. And I was like, Whoa, that was super smooth because I think a lot of the Thompson, a lot of the times, sometimes I, I see the Thompson twins and their athleticism and it's obvious. It's like so fast that, like there it's missing like a smoothness. Yes. You know, it's not that it's not impressive, it's not that it's less effective. It just doesn't look as like aesthetically pleasing as maybe like Cam Whitmore like gliding through people because he's very light on his feet. But Osar made one move through the 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 lane and Euro stepped, and I was like, that's what I wanted to see. That's that smoothness that I see. So um You know, he, he too, obviously the jumper is going to be the big question with him, but I, I think I'm a little bit higher on his jumper. Uh, you know, he, they put the ball in his hands a lot in these drills. That's why they separated Amen and Asar in the 4v4v4s. They, they played together in the five, uh, 5v5s. So, um, I, I think, you know, he has some decision-making stuff to work on when he does have the ball in his hands a little bit more. You know, I think when he was getting, doing interviews, um, after the the pro day with with media you know he had mentioned that you know they kind of both played with the ball in their hands and then eventually amen just kind of took over so he had he learned how to be more of a scorer but he always kind of had that but so i I think that you know he's going to um have opportunities to work through some of the on-ball stuff this year again and and obviously they they played on two separate teams last year so he got the opportunity to show a little bit Last year as well, I think that's the area of growth for him. Like, all right, can you facilitate a little bit, like, uh, like Amen, like that's, and I think he's capable. He he definitely has some, has showed some passing flashes. It's just I think he's less of a decision maker right now than Amen is because he doesn't have the same reps. But I I saw some really impressive stuff, and then there was some stuff that I was like, yeah, that you know what I kind of what I expected from a guy who you know is nursing an injury.
1: Rucker, when Corey mentioned Asar's shot, you you perked up quite a bit. I, I,
2: for as confused as I've been with the men, I've been like three times as confused with Asar because I feel like I'm maybe the biggest believer because, and I'm trying. I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm the guy, the only one that believes in him, but I feel like the difference isn't that massive. A lot of people have one like going third one going late, late lottery. And I'm like, I don't know if it's that different. Like there's some stuff with the SAR I'm really, really encouraged by. I weirdly could see down the road. He ends up in a better situation that will be patient with him and allow him to develop. And he has like the longer career and longer success because he might not you know, Asar might be the third pick, or excuse me, a man might be the third pick and be like, okay, there's all these lofty expectations now. Asar might go to a team that's in a little bit better situation and the shot needs work, but he can come in and contribute and get some early confidence. I don't know. I just just watching his shot in that pro day, there was some some instances where I was like, this isn't as bad as I was thinking it was going to be. There's still some ugly stuff, but I was encouraged and and I'm just really, really intrigued to watch him. Like I'm already planning to go see a couple of their games, but he, the Thompson twins for, for different reasons. I'm just, I have to go see them in person because that's what we talk about. Like scouting and watching on film, you can only see so much. You got to see them in person. That's why, you know, I'm jealous that Corey got to see him, but I'm just, I'm excited to hear that because there's stuff with his game that, I think needs more love needs more attention. But I feel like everyone is just so quick to be like, Oh, his shots way, way worse. And I'm like, yeah, but he does some, some nice stuff on the court too. And I think he's got touch around the basket. I think he's got some, some good finishing ability. I, I I just also the court, the part that Corey brought up about like the smoothness it stood out to me with Asar. SAR, a man's just a freak. Like when he gets the driving lane, you could tell he just lights up from the three point line and he's like, well, you know, Takeoff, here we go. I feel like Asar has a little bit of swagger, a little bit of wiggle when it comes to driving through traffic at times.
1: I might be crazy though, and that won't be the first time. So I it, know it's in that it's inevitable that these guys are gonna get compared to each other a ton. And Amen has been getting more of the hype than Asar, but Corey, watching them up close, was there anything that Asar did that kind of really stood out to you that over like overwhelmingly more impressive than what amend
0: i don't think overwhelmingly I, again sure.
1: i you know he wasn't 100
0: yeah physically so um you know it's hard to get a, a a fully clear picture again i think his jumper might be at least aesthetically a little bit more pleasing to look at even though he still has some of those things that he needs to work on but i i think one of the points that that rucker made that is one of the reasons why, like, I don't have them in two different tiers, like some people do, is that I think that Asar might have um, less of a transition from what his game is going to be from this level to the NBA level, where he could play similarly. And again, like, Amen. Like, I'm not saying like if you're if a team's drafting him early, they're gonna want to put the ball in his hands some, right? Um, but let's say he goes to Detroit. Like, you have Jaden Ivy and Cade Cunningham. So you're, he's going to have to find ways to operate and learn to live without the ball. Asar is already going to be there. You know, he's already going to know how to play without it. You know, this isn't scoot where wherever scoot goes, he is the guy he is. Ha- yeah. He has the ball in his hands. It does not matter who is there. He's the dude, you know, wherever Victor goes, it doesn't matter if somehow, you know, everybody got hurt on Cleveland and they, Won the lottery. If Victor goes to Cleveland, sorry, Evan Mobley. Victor's the guy. <laughs> you know, like, amen. I don't know if he's the guy. No matter where he goes, certainly in some places, mm-hmm. right. But if he goes to Indiana, you're not going to take the ball out of Tyrese Halliburton's hands, right? Like, so the NBA is so talented now. They're so talented that it's really hard to take that spot. And I think for Asar, just the one thing, I just think he's going to have a smoother transition with roles versus amen. And it's not to say that amen is not going to be like, maybe he transitions seamlessly. There's it's not to say he can't because um, he's a bright kid who works hard. And I think he'll figure that out for sure. And I think with, with both of them, you know, the one thing you got to look at, like look at the success that a guy like Jaden Ivey has had early on athletically, like they're every bit, the athlete, that Jaden ivy is right like Jalen green like they're going to be able to get to their spots with the nba spacing um so they're still going to be effective i just think if i was picking one thing for asar as a reason to like buy in a little bit it's because his role is probably going to be a little bit more similar
1: all right well there are a couple other guys who are 2023 eligible like Jazian gortman uh, bryce griggs Um, Devante Cobbs. Did any of them really kind of stand out or make an impression with you? Um, Based on what I saw, I thought Gortman looked really intriguing. Um, I thought Griggs, um, it looked like he got in significantly better shape and I thought he was, he was more impressive. Uh, He, you know, honestly, he was one of my least favorite watches last year. And during these scrimmages, I was like, oh, okay, he looks better. He looks in better shape. He looks more under control. So out of any of those other names, for 2023 were you intrigued by any of them
0: um i'm intrigued by gregs for sure like you said like he's in phenomenal shape you know um he was asked um at the interviews after like you know what how did his he handle his body transformation uh transformation and you know he said like basically i got feedback last year from NBA executives at the pro day, like that I got to get in better shape. Right. Like, and so this summer he really just, I think he became a professional and I think it goes across the board, whether it was maybe he's, you know, watching film and, you know, just treating himself as a the professional that he is. And he got himself in phenomenal shape. Like he looked, he looked great. So I'm definitely in, intrigued by him. Um, Jay Gort. Uh, I'm intrigued by, Just on the fact that they call him Category 6 as his nickname because he's, you know, like a a disruptor. And um, that is just a phenomenal, phenomenal nickname. And, uh, you know, I I saw Bryce and um, Jay Gord and and those guys in the Cold Hearts team uh, in New Jersey play against some of the, you know, best high school talent in the region, uh, in the Northeast region. Uh, which, you know, included a guy like Sim Wiltshire, who's headed to UNC. Um, You know, some other guys were going to big time school. So like, you know, they were playing against good competition, in actual game setting outside of just this pro day scrimmaging. So I have a good feel for them. And I thought that Bryce, you know, like his shot, it's got to be there. You know, he's got to be efficient. But I think he's a great playmaker who has a really smart IQ. And it's funny, in one of the drills um, that they were doing early on, he was on the left side and he had a couple of finishes that he finished with his right hand. And I was like, "Uh, we got to get you finishing with your left hand there because when the defender comes, you're not going to actually be able to finish that way. And then in the scrimmage, he basically made the same move and smoothly finished with his left hand. Hmm. And I was like, I love that. Like he noticed, he knew the situation and he adjusted in an actual simulated game situation in the scrimmage so uh he's definitely a guy to watch again he's gonna be a hard evaluation i feel like he's gonna be a similar evaluation to like montero where it's like competition level he's been in this program now for the second year you know he's a veteran but he's taken it seriously and um he's definitely i think improved from last year to this year just from his his feel for the game to um you know, just his, how he's handling his, his business on the court. So I I think there's, you're definitely going to continue to see growth. Um, Jay Gort, you know, I I think he's a guy that right now I'm probably a little bit lower on. He has all the tools. He's got a smooth shot. Um, Seems like a good kid, good head on his shoulders. But I've, I think that so far he's impressed me more in a workout setting than the actual game, like situations. Mm okay so uh, not to say that you know their season hasn't started yet so it's not like i'm like hey i'm out on this kid Mm because i see him working and he's got some real tools physically but he is you know a little bit on the shorter side for you know the and the nba is trending away from that i think if this was a conversation we were all having six years ago you know it'd be a different conversation for a lot of these guys but um you know he's a guy I want to see more of, and I'm interested to see his his growth and his trajectory this year because he's all these kids are working. So I, I'm not concerned about the working and and the the lack of effort. They're they're trying to get better every day, but uh, I want to see him in more game like situations because the other thing is you cannot form a full complete evaluation on the fact that I saw him live once, la- you know, a couple weeks ago, and then I saw him at a pro day. I, you you need to continue to watch more, otherwise you're not you're getting an incomplete you know picture. So. Uh, that's where I'm at with, with those two guys.
1: Rucker. What about you? You, you had been texting me on the side about Gortman. Um, did you have any kind of really fascinating takeaways from these guys or just more so interest is a little more peaked than it was before?
2: Yeah, I would say the interest is just a little bit more peaked. Gorman just, you know, um, we got to be better about this Metcalf so he's, he's listed at six about 172 pounds he had a reported plus seven wingspan before the pro day which yeah got everyone in their feelings but he just made a couple plays during drills and 4v4 and I was just kind of like okay there's some smoothness there's some shiftiness there but it Going into this year, you kept hearing about the Thompson twins as the overtime elite guys to watch out with. And then it was Jay Gort. Like, that's the other wild card to keep an eye on. So I think with with seeing him now, I was like, I get why people were intrigued with him, but now I need to see more. Like now you you got my curiosity, now you have my attention. Like, so I want to just get in person, see what else he can do this is one of those guys like preseason, you get my attention. Now I want to see how you develop and progress throughout the entire season. But for now, like I I would need to see a lot, lot more. Um, It's just like Corey brings up a great point. Shocker. Like the the league is trending away from this. So if you're going to be that undersized ball handler, you got to do a lot to get teams to invest their trust with you. All
1: right. Well, I, uh, you know, Cor- Corey throughout this last week has been texting us uh, in the group chat about how intrigued he was with some of these younger guys who weren't 2023 yes. eligible. So there are a lot of names that I know really made an impression. Um, and a lot of names that a lot of people who really pay attention to the recruiting stuff will recognize. So, Corey, I- I'm just going to let you kind of freestyle who-, who made the biggest impression on you.
0: Um, well, so uh, the biggest impression. On me, and I only say this because it was the first time I saw him in person because I saw uh, Bryson Tiller and Nas Cunningham in person uh, a couple of weeks ago. Those are the other two guys I'll, I'll talk about. But the guy who made um, the biggest impression on me was Jakai Howard.
2: Ooh, okay. So sell me on Jakai Howard. Sell me this pen, Mr. Draftack. Yeah. So,
0: Jakai Howard, you know, you we say that like the the Thompson twins are these generational unbelievable athletes my man ja howard is right there really this kid's bounce is crazy man like i'm talking his head is above the rim he doesn't have the same quick twitch first step burst that the thompson's have but it would not shock me if his he had more bounce like i was like yo <laughs> this kid and and then I was like um all right well like how old is he you know he's draft class of 2025 he's listed at six, he's last uh listed at six six in the program that they gave us and I feel like he was every bit the same size as the Thompsons like he I mean if this kid is what? uh a sophomore uh in high school right like junior i don't know like whatever he is like he's super young he still might be growing and what a smooth shooter so it's like we have questions about the thompson's uh shooting jakai howard that kid aesthetically that thing looks pretty like i wrote down in my notes like bradley beal question mark like as far as like, that's what his shot preparation looked like. And here's the thing that I loved about him. And this is a nuance that you could only see in person. One of, one of the, the things that they do in, in these pro days with the coaches, the coaches are out there coaching these kids to talk on the floor. So, you know, when they're doing these shooting drills where they're like coming off movement and like, you know, um, fading to the corner, the coaches want them to scream like ball. Um, and I, he was the only one that I noticed that was actively doing that, not only in drills, but was doing it out on the floor in the four V four V four and the five on five scrimmages. So he's taking all of the little nuances that they're like something as little as just talking to communicate that you have an open shot. And he's executing that out already. Um, so developmentally, he's a sponge. I, I see what he's picking up and he's actually putting it into practice. A- athletic gifts through the freaking roof. Competitive. Um, I was like, yo, this kid's got something serious. And like, I know that like, you know, he, he didn't have like the flashiest box score um, in the game against like Brawny and uh Cambuser, like that weekend. But he's younger. And I am so interested to see how he develops because I think he has real elite um, athletic tools to go with a really beautiful stroke. And so I'm going to be watching to see how his ball skills develop when he, you know, I think after the Thompson twins move on and he's actually given more on-ball reps, I'm going to be interested to see how that plays out because he could be one of these guys who is like a, you know, potential 25 point per game scorer super athletic but he's also you know six seven you know like so that's super intriguing so i wanted to start there just because it was new and fresh and i hadn't seen him in person i had just seen you know the crazy dunks on like tiktok um bryson tiller is draft class 2026 I saw him. That was wild when I looked that up. because I I was
2: convinced the whole time (laughs) on the broadcast they were lying. And they kept (laughs) tuning in on him and his frame. And I was like, that is a grown-ass man. That is not a 2026 prospect. So I was um, like... real quick point. Because you brought up a great thing that's really important. And I don't want us to forget about it. About Howard. That's probably the most important thing I've heard this entire night. And I love talking with you guys. But NBA scouts... Like for everyone listening to Corey's rant about like how Howard was a sponge and picking up and trying to do all the little nuances. You might not think that was a big detail. That is humongous for NBA scouts and executives. They light up when they see that. Like that is the little stuff that makes a guy jump 15 spots on a board is because they're like, hey, this kid wants to work. He's coachable. He's a quick learner and he's going to be a technician and a robot. So like from everything we talked about tonight, like that just sold me that sell me this pen that just sold me on jakai howard and now i'm excited and i also while you were talking I had to remind myself of who that was and yes i know exactly who that was i was like who the hell is this kid <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty." so okay all right i just that's a really important part because like it is know, why do they why is this guy buzzing and it's like because that's the intel that's what you can't see sitting on your couch that's what you can tell when you're in person and you're scouting live in the event. So thank you, Corey. I appreciate it now. Well, you you know, can talk that's about the you, incredible Hulk.
0: <laughs> that's why that's why you had me come on here to give you yeah, these, you these little details. And I yeah. think why you're emphasizing it is, you know, Met, Metcalf asked me earlier with Amen Thompson, do you think that he's going to be continue to put this stuff into practice outside of this pro day? And I do, but Ja'Kai Howard already is putting it into practice, some of yeah, these things, that's,
1: right? That's awesome. Yeah.
0: And it was really cool to see, um, especially because, you know, I work with kids these age. Like, I coach kids that are the same age as these kids, and I know how hard it is to get kids to do something as simple as that, because when you're playing, you're not thinking about these little details. You know, when you're... And this is something um, that goes into... You know, and as we transition to Bryson Tiller, who is being coached by uh, Ryan Gomes, former Boston Celtic, you know, I had an opportunity to ha- have a like a pretty decent discussion with him, um, and because I'm so impressed with the job that he's doing, and it's why another reason why I'm so excited about Bryson Tiller because he gets to learn under Coach Gomes this year. You know, it, it's really hard for high school kids who are bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic to all of a sudden have to pick up the details that they never had to worry about because they were always the best and head and shoulders above the competition. And now they're playing with their peers that are all, you know, in a similar talent level. And when they get to the next level, they might not be the most talented, bigger, biggest, strongest, fastest guy anymore. So that you know, he's trying to get these kids to pick up the details. And I'm sure all the coaches are having those same conversations with their teams. Right. So for Jakai Howard to have pick that up and realize that, you know, one of the things I talked about with coach Gomes was like, okay, what do you do when you're up? Cause I was impressed because he's teaching these kids offensively and defensively defensively. These kids are in the right spot. If the low man needs to be at the hoop, he's there you know, like he has the rotations, he's talking, you know, and he's like, he was telling me, he's like, you know, I'm, I was in so many situations in the NBA that I don't even have to see a kid on the other team play. If, if he, like, I could already tell what he's going to do just because I've seen the pattern so often in the NBA. And I'm trying to teach that to these kids and I'm trying to teach them how to be effective both off of that and how to counter it. But at, you know, how to be effective, no matter what the situation is, because you can. Because I've seen all and been in all these situations. And with the kids who are offensively, all right, you're on the weak side now. You're used to having the ball in your hands. Well, are you going to stand still, or are you going to find ways to be effective? Are you going to, you know, hammer out so you can get your guy an open look? Are you going to, you know, curl it? it? You know, like a guy like Mikael Bridges who spends a lot of time in the corner he finds really opportunistic moments to when the defense falls asleep to just make that baseline cut and get easy looks. Right. You know, maybe he fakes like he's going to come off a handoff and he'll cut back, like all these different things. And like, that's a point of emphasis. So when you pick up these little things, it's really encouraging. And that's why, you know, that little moment is something that Rucker wanted to emphasize with Ja'Kai Howard. Um, Now on to Bryson Tiller. I, you know, I, I, you know, you hear the name, you see the list. And then when I saw him in person in the game, uh, two weeks ago in New Jersey I was like oh my god Because <laughs> you know I was seeing him do some things Baseline where I was like Can I trade uh Patrick Williams For Bryson <laughs> Tiller right now Because they're the same exact size And same kind of player And that's how ready he looks Physically Where like he looks like he could play In an NBA game yesterday And he is a sophomore in high school <laughs> You know um, but beyond that, he is talented. He is uh, a worker. Like he's got a, a good head on his shoulders and he is getting coached by a good coach. This kid he, right now, he's ranked number five on the top 25 um, on ESPN's list. That is not going to be that way for long. This He's a sophomore. He's 6'9" 220 already. Like he might end up 6'10", 6'11". He said in the interviews afterwards that he watches guys like Kawhi and Giannis and like all of the guys that you want him to watch and learn from. That's who he's watching and picking up things for his game and you could tell. I saw him in New Jersey take a rebound, gobble up a rebound, rip it out of the air, take it coast to coast and throw like a tomahawk dunk on the other side. And again, this is against uh high level competition that are going to be D one players like next year. So man, his potential is through the roof. I think he's one of the better prospects that are, you know, in the high school circuit right now of any age at all. And he's a guy that like, Hey, I know that it's years away. We're in the year 2022. He's not going to be a, he's going to 2026 draft guy Buy stock in Bryson Tiller right now, because this kid is
2: the goods. He is the real deal. Metcalf, what'd you think? Because the only thing I would say is I'm watching the pro day and Tiller comes on the screen. And and I Metcalf was texting me before and I was like, I'm watching without knowing anyone. I was like, I, I'll, I'll figure out the names throughout because I was like, I want to see who pops. It's the best way to watch. Yeah, it's the situations. best way to pop because I was like, who stands out? All right, let me look him up. And Tiller, they zoom in on Tiller and I'm like, who's this fucking kid? <laughs> and then... <laughs> They're like class of 2026. And I knew who Tiller was before, but I just hearing it and seeing it, you're like, Oh my gosh, that's him. And they're interviewing a coach the whole time he's doing his little pro day workout. And the coach just could not stop raving about the type of kid he is, how mature he is, how serious he takes his body, how he's just like, just it handles himself the right way. He's there. Like he's mature beyond his years. He's taken himself so serious when it's like working on his body, working on his craft. And the guy was like giddy about talking about him. And I'm like, I'm watching him and I don't know him. And I don't know anything about him. And I see how special he looks. And then you, you keep hearing the 2026. 20, I'm like, you guys are lying. There's no way. Because he's listed at six nine two fifteen or something. I'm like, bullshit. Where's the other 40 pounds? Because he's just ripped. But, he um, he looks and it's more cool. impressive in
0: person his body his physique is more impressive in person man like and and that's why i'm so excited about the overtime program and circling back to one of the first questions you asked like you know how do you? what was your impression bringing in kids like this
2: yeah it's
0: and impossible getting them in
2: like it's and one year the the jump they made is ridiculous
0: it's it, it i mean a kid like this that's a get man this kid is the he's a, he is the real deal he's a big time like when they look back it's gonna be like oh bryson tiller who you know i think has the potential to probably be in you know a, a multi-time all-star down the line he was a part of the overtime elite program that's going to be a recruiting tool a selling point you know what i mean and um the same thing with Nas Cunningham, you know, Nas Cunningham is, you know, depending where you look, either the number one prospect or like number three prospect in his class. They got him. And I'll tell you my favorite thing that uh, I saw from Nas Cunningham, because this is a guy that I look at offensively and I go, you know what? He might be what we wanted Amani Bates to be.
2: Ooh, what I was really excited to ask you about Cunningham more than anyone. So here we are. Here, but here, I'll tell you my here. favorite nugget
0: because it's not offensively. So I'm right in front of him because I'm down by his section because they're doing these, um, you know, a lot, the, the 4v4v4s, like the, we were able, allowed to pretty much move around wherever we wanted. We're sitting courtside, but they're like, you can sit on whatever section. The world is yours. Like the overtime, people were the best. Like wherever you want to go, get your content. Like go get it. So I'm on one side of the court, and he's got a mismatch with a bigger guy, right? And he's he's defending him, and the guy's in the post is like he's telling him he's like you can't guard me, and he's like he's like this this is a mismatch. He's like you can't guard me, but he doesn't have the ball, so he's right in front of me saying he's saying this to Nas, and Nas every time he said that he's like all right, call for the ball then. He's like, call for it then. He's like, you won't call for it. Call for the ball. It's a mismatch. Call for the ball then. And he wasn't calling for the ball. And then eventually, the ball swung to him in the post. And this is a guy that's got, he's probably had, you know, 40, 50 pounds on Nas Cunningham, who was a young kid who hasn't, you know, filled out and grown into his body yet, but has a good frame. And he's just battling with him, and he forces him into a tough shot, and he gets it. And he's like, yeah, like, you ain't shit. Like he's talking to him, like confident, and like, this is a kid who obviously not afraid and he's willing to compete and again like this is a little detail like they're they're filming the pro day you could watch it but you can't hear that little detail of like them going at it and just seeing that competitiveness from him which was cool because you know i saw him uh you know two weeks ago at the jersey event and he only played the first half because uh, early in the second half he attacked the hoop and sprained his ankle but in that first half offensively i think he missed one shot like he probably had like 15, 17 points, something like that. He was knocking down threes off the bounce. He was getting in the lane. He was finishing midair body contortions, smooth. Like I have no questions about his offensive potential at all. I think he's going to be able, he's your consummate, you know, rangy scoring wing, you know, but the defensive stuff the competitiveness, like that's the stuff that I thought was really cool to see from him in person because look, if you could score in this league and that's cool and everybody wants that, Everybody needs that, but you're going to get to a certain level and eventually everyone's going to be like, okay, but can you guard? Cause if you can't guard, you're not a playoff guy. And I saw signs of him just from a competitive standpoint where I was like, he could be a playoff, a legit playoff guy one day as one of the main guys on a team.
2: McCaff, what did you think of, of Tiller and Cunningham? I don't like when you're quiet, so I got to <laughs> throw you on the spot sometimes.
1: No, I but I, I much prefer Corey's Intel No,
2: okay. now, This I has mean, been i um, ready to run through a wall right now. Thank you, Corey. We'll send you nice. on a long trip.
0: Thank you, Nas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Nas.
1: I, I with, with Tiller and I, I I didn't. I I had the rosters and stuff pulled up, but like not on the window because I was watching it. And then you know he knocks down a corner three. uh, They zoom in on him. The veins in his biceps are popping. I'm like, all right, whose dad is out here? Um, You know he's getting a couple offensive rebounds, hitting. (laughs) Why is Ryan Gomes on the floor?
2: (laughs) Exactly. Who gave Gomes a jersey? (laughs) By the (laughs)
1: way,
0: drenched, drenched, doing drills with them, working harder than anybody.
2: Drenched. Boston Celtic legend, everybody knows, and Minnesota Timberwolves legend, everybody. Knows. Everyone knows that.
1: <laughs> no, but but with Tiller ben, you now he grabs some really nice defensive rebounds, makes some nice rotations, playing defense, hits some mid-range turnarounds. I'm like, all right, who the fuck is this kid? You know, put like actually click on his name, graduation year, 2026. I'm like, what the fuck? And it was just like, this this kid can't drive yet, and he looks like an NBA player. Like, what is happening? And it's like, okay, well all right, he's going to just live in my brain rent free now for the next four years. That's really exciting. Um, And then Nas Cunningham is just like, God, just everything is fluid and effortless. And it's like, God, like the, the ceiling for this kid, if, you know, he really locks in everything and it becomes more consistent and there's just so much for him to work with on both ends of the floor where it's like just his upside and potential is scary. So I'm, it was impossible to come away not incredibly impressed with both of those guys individually, but then just all of the the young talent that OTE brought in this year because it's just – it's really, really impressive and so much deeper than what they had last year. So we're potentially going to have a draft with
2: Bryson Tiller, Cooper Flagg, and Cameron Boozer. Correct.
0: Woo! Hey, yeah. I'm just letting yeah. you know right now. Let us know. I'm taking I'm taking Tiller over Flag. I know we're years away, but oh man! <laughs> and I get it. I like it. The the defense, the length. Maybe the shooting comes around. He's impacting guys. He's, he's at Montford. He's gonna have you know. He's gonna develop in a really good spot too. Yeah, Bryson Tiller.
1: No, oh I, man.
2: <laughs> I'm just saying that's a. <laughs>
0: I mean, gauntlet, you gauntlet
2: get a top of a draft three, just well, get a top three pick you know yeah. that's gonna be a, a heck of a draft but tiller i was just like drooling after watching that because i was like my goodness you know the the upside he has and he looks like he's got great character the intangibles sound like they're going to be through the roof the foundation already as a 16 year old looks awesome but when i watched nas cunningham moving on the floor offensively and getting his shot and stuff i was like this dude this looks like poetry and motion. Like it is artwork with how smooth he is. And hearing you talk about his previous experience when you saw him um, live before, it, it just looked like he, he could be a damn nightmare at the next level. If everything comes together, because his frame, it looks smooth. It just looks like he needs to fill out. Like he, he, he doesn't look like it's awkward, like size and he's still learning. It looks like he's just like, he can cover a lot of ground very quickly he can create separation and it's just maturing and letting that frame build out all
1: right well Corey are, is there are there any names that we didn't get to uh, final thoughts things I've just forgot to ask um, with the, the the overtime elite pro day
0: um I, I think you know just some other guys that I would add to the radar um, Bryson Warren who is going to be playing with Nas Cunningham. Um, he's class of 2024, six, th- six foot, three inch guard. He's one of the best shooters in the program. Um, he's impressed me both times I watched him. I also saw him make some really impressive reads as a passer. Um cannot Carlisle? I-, I think he's, go- yeah. he's a, he's committed to Stanford. Yes. Um, he is a uh, 2024 guy as well. So he'll be on the radar soon. I think. You know, he's pretty impressive. Um, he's a really impressive shooter. Like he is, he can get hot real quick and just absolutely scorch you. Um, and he just a beautiful shot. High arcing gets off the ground. He's somebody to keep an eye on. Um, Tyler Smith is another Thank guy. You.
2: I've been waiting. I was like, what did he do to you?
0: Yeah. Tyler Smith is impressive. He's 6'10", class of 2024, lefty, um, athletic, fluid, Another guy to keep on the the, the radar. I, I think those are the main guys. There are guys that, um, you know, I, I think are going to develop in the program that are going to work their way up into these this same conversation eventually. But those are the guys that I, I think I was most impressed with the last couple of weeks from the games up and through the pro
1: day. Rucker, what about you? Any, anyone stand out that we didn't mention?
2: No, I, I was just intrigued with Tyler Smith, but it wasn't, you know, all due respect spec it wasn't the level of these other guys but watching those i was like who's this little lefty this looks a little intriguing and and, and um tyler smith someone that i, I wrote down i was like okay keep an eye on this like but i thought everyone we talked about was pretty much hitting hitting right on the spot you know i'm just i'm excited to be here thank you Corey, for jumping on you know well, you the know. first episode on the no ceilings feed we get cory back to back you know you usually got to pay double for that type of treatment. I
0: mean, <laughs> little, you know, I was in Atlanta, you know, little, little Magic City,
2: yeah. you know, treated you well, gift. apparently. <laughs> is, it, is suspended for a year from Magic City.
1: <laughs> well, Corey, the, the, this was awesome intel. Thank you so much. Uh, please tell the people where they can find you.
2: Well,
0: obviously, you could find me on the uh, No Ceilings NBA Draft podcast feed. Uh, I am there on Thursdays with the draft act podcast with Albert. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Tulliba on TikTok NBA draft dude at TikTok uh, no ceilings NBA, um, on YouTube NBA draft dude. And then obviously at no ceilings, NBA.com. I think I'm also going to be doing a, um, you know, a, a collaboration piece with Steven, who was along for the ride with me at the pro day for my piece on Wednesday. I think is when, uh, when I'm up, up to the plate. So I think we're going to do a a collaborative piece on this experience. So, you know, I'll probably throw in some clips and, you know, which will help uh, elaborate a little bit on some of the stuff that we talked about here. It'll be a nice companion piece to, you know, this conversation.
1: Well, everyone make sure to go check that out. Rucker plug away. Um, I'll keep it short and
2: sweet. Cause just, you know, Corey is a great guy. Um, I'm at Tyler underscore Rucker on all social medias. Find me at no dot I now have a TikTok because you know, everyone knows I just love TikTok these everyone days. So, way, yeah. um, yeah. I but still it's not
0: basketball a... stuff. It's it's like dances and
2: stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's weird stuff. No, I haven't posted anything yet. So the anticipation <laughs> builds, the suspense <laughs> is terrible. Um, but it, this has been a real treat, Corey. Thanks for coming on. And yeah no dot If you haven't, get our preseason draft guide. It's five bucks. It's way. It's a steal. Absolute steal. You get way more bang for your buck. So thank you guys for for doing and, this. And I just you know I want to say I, I did it yesterday, but I want to shout out um,
0: Kevin O'Connor for the Kevin.
2: Liger.
0: And I want to shout out the guys from Through the Wire, Pewee yes, Plug, uh, specifically for you know they gave us um, a lot of love for the preseason draft guide and you know those guys extending their platforms to you know on without us having to you know ask them and berate them for it just out of the the kindness of their heart was you know it's a very cool thing for for those guys to do
1: yeah. absolutely and and they're guys who know their stuff too so they they wouldn't just say it to say it uh so and the, their endorsement means the world um so everyone make sure to please go check out our preseason draft guide at nocealingsnba.com. Um, we also have new merch up. Um, you can either go to nocealingsnba.com and go through the link to the store there, or go directly to nocealingsnba.bigcartel.com. You can follow us across all socials at nocealingsnba and on YouTube at no Ceilings TV. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Till next time, see ya.